Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. So wonderful to see you back at the shop here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today we have something very wondrous to show you. Let me pull this off the wall here. It's a staff of sorts. Looks like it is some sort of tribal weapon. Uh, it's wood of some foreign nature. It has a curve to the top with the uh, wood being carved into a spike. The bottom end of this staff uh, has a metal attachment again with a spike. This looks like uh, a tribal weapon of some sort and a, a weapon that may not be too dissimilar to that used by Tusken Raiders in a galaxy far, far away. And that is the topic of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett. First off, uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning back into Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Uh, last week, I had to take the week off, kind of unannounced, uh, dealing with a sick cat. My wife and I are, uh, and uh, all is all is well right now. But uh, but what we were going through at the time was a uh, pretty strenuous stuff. But uh, but that's neither here nor there, and and maybe I'll go a little more into detail uh, later about it. But uh, like I said, dealing with a, a sick pet, as anybody who has pets knows that can sometimes be a, a very frightening thing uh, when things are, are revealed to be a little more dire than you expected. But uh, in my time off last week, uh, I got to delve into the book of Boba Fett. Of course, I've been watching it all along. It's <laughs> There are some shows where I'll wait till it's, it's almost time for the finale, and then I'll just power through and watch all the episodes. But then there are shows like uh, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, a lot of the Disney Plus stuff that comes out weekly that I'm glued to my TV as soon as I get home from work uh, to watch the newest episode when they are released. And the Book of Boba Fett was like that. And got to wrap that up. And uh, wow, was I really pleased with the book of Boba Fett. Now, I know some reviewers, some critics weren't so high on the book of Boba Fett. We're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett. Uh, some of the things we saw in it, uh, some spoilery things. I'm going to try not to be too spoilery. We'll talk about the characters we're introduced to. We'll talk about the characters that we saw uh, reprise roles that uh, we saw maybe in the earlier Mandalorian episodes. And uh, some of the some of the things that went on, some of the things we can expect moving forward uh, with The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, the Star Wars universe in general as it pertains to Disney Plus and the shows that they're putting out in the Star Wars universe. But we'll also talk about some of those things that I, some of the people that I heard talking about this show kind of bemoaning some of the aspects of it that I actually didn't mind. And we'll, we'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of all that uh, as well as we talk about the book of Boba Fett on this episode. Uh, it all started out, of course, we got the PS scene at the end of Mandalorian season two. We're reintroduced to Boba Fett 
in The Mandalorian Season 2, reintroduced to the Fennec Shand character, played by Ming-Na Wen. And, and I'll get into how much I love this character and Ming-Na Wen's uh, portrayal of Fennec Shand. But, you know, she showed up in The Mandalorian and uh, she reprised her role as kind of a partner with Boba Fett. And the PS scene at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2 saw Boba Fett uh, head back to Tatooine and take over Jabba the Hutt's territory, which had been taken over by Bib Fortuna. And he is dispatched of uh, post-haste in that scene. And then they get that cool hero shot where where Boba Fett is sitting on the throne and Fennec Shand is kind of at his side with the bottle of uh, space whiskey. And it was just such a cool end and a cool setup for the book of Boba Fett. And we kind of Start off right there, where Boba Fett has taken over Jabba Hutt's crime territory. And for the most part, the first half of the book of Boba Fett, at least as it is set in the present, is a lot about him reestablishing himself or establishing himself as this, I don't want to say crime boss, because he seems a little more honorable than that uh, right off the bat. And, and we learn about why this is with something we'll get into here in a second. But but the first part of this uh, seven episode series is Boba Fett getting his foot in the door and establishing himself as the daimyo or the, the ruling syndicate of this area of Tatooine. And I get some of the some of the people that have been disparaging the book of Boba Fett uh, felt that that was all kind of boring. It felt uh, it felt a bit godfathery, which if you're not into that sort of thing, maybe maybe it wasn't your deal. But it was interesting to see, uh, you know, how Boba Fett is trying to build this empire. Uh, is it going to be a crime empire? We don't really know what Boba Fett's intentions are right off the bat. Is he just going to be another job of the hut and be this crime boss, or is he going to be? something a little more different maybe an anti-hero that's kind of where they were positioning him to be kind of this anti-hero because really uh, Boba Fett has gained such a following since his appearance in Empire Strikes Back at least the appearance we all saw of course he was in the uh, Star Wars holiday special but very few people actually saw that when it uh, when it came out but but everybody gravitated so much towards Boba Fett with uh, Empire Strikes Back that there's just been this mythos of around him and all the uh, legend stuff that came about and even even now that the legend stuff has been kind of decanonized and Disney Marvel they're they're trying to put forth comics and things like that that kind of delve into some of the territory where the legend stuff went uh yeah, there's just been this kind of aura of coolness around Boba Fett all these decades and even though he was never portrayed as a hero in the star wars movies uh, empire strikes back return of the jedi everybody kind of made him out to be this anti-hero uh, because they just thought he was so cool and and you didn't know in this book of boba fett is he going to continue that is he going to be this anti-hero is he going to be just a, a straight out hero we really didn't know going into this but they did something that i really enjoyed and a lot of people did not enjoy was the 
back to tank flashbacks. I remember watching one video with this guy from this website that they post a lot of stuff and do a lot of videos. And, and, and the guy, I, I usually really enjoy his stuff, but he went through this whole spiel about how they misused flashbacks and flashbacks are supposed to teach the person a lesson that involves what they're doing now. And, and uh, yeah, I get it. You looked up flashbacks and what they're supposed to mean on Wikipedia and you're just regurgitating, but really the flashbacks in this, I don't think were used as a way to teach the protagonist a lesson from the past that they can apply to now. I think flashbacks were merely a storytelling device in which they could tell two stories at once. And that's it. I, I don't think there was any greater meaning behind the flashbacks other than that. They wanted to tell the story of Boba Fett setting up this syndicate or whatever he's doing, becoming this crime boss or, or whatever you want to call it. They wanted to tell that story at the same time as telling the story of how he got to that point. That is all the flashbacks were, is a way to tell two stories, one set in the present, one set in the past, and tell them at the same time. It's plain and simple. There, there's nothing more to glean from that than just that. It's a, a way to tell two stories at once. And, and that's one of the things I really dug about this, was that we did get to see that backstory of Boba Fett, because... You know, up until The Mandalorian Season 2, uh, the last time we saw Boba Fett really was in Return of the Jedi. And he was swallowed by the Sarlacc. And there's been all of these fan-crafted theories and fan theories about how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc Pit. How he could have survived the Sarlacc Pit. And it was finally cool to get the definitive answer <laughs> how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit. And we see him get out of the Sarlacc pit using his his guile and his weaponry. And then we see the draw the Jawas steal his armor, which you know explains how Cobb Vanth ended up with it in season two of The Mandalorian. And we see Boba Fett taken in by the the Tuscans, the uh, sand people. And it was a really cool journey how he, you know, Boba Fett's always been kind of this loner. Uh, he's been the bounty hunter that kind of very similar to uh, the Din Djarin, the Mandalorian character. You know, this this loner Mandalorian bounty hunter uh, just looking out for themselves, by themselves. We see the Mandalorian come across Baby Yoda, as everyone likes to call him, or Grogu, and start to build a family. Well, we, we kind of saw that mirrored with Boba Fett. Boba Fett was always this loner Mandalorian bounty hunter that had no ties, but he, he gets caught up with these Tusken Raiders and they eventually, he earns their respect and becomes a part of their tribe and, and learns much like the Mandalorian that, you know, sometimes you do need a tribe. You do need family. It's okay to make things better for people that you allow yourself to come to care about. And it was really cool to watch that development of the character. And, and there again, I know a lot of people were, uh, have complained about the pacing of the first few episodes of the book of Boba Fett. But it really was all, it was a lot of character development. It was a lot of uh, story development. And sometimes you have to take a little while to, to develop that. Now, a lot of people weren't sure whether this was going to be a one-off series or if they were going to do multiple seasons. I think you almost have to do another season because you've really set up this big scene with this this first season of the book of Boba Fett and there's there's a lot of places they can go 
and maybe maybe they were just waiting to see how well it did. Uh, I had to I have to imagine that they should have known uh, anything about Boba Fett was probably going to be pretty pretty well received, uh, regardless of what the critics and other reviewers say. But uh, I, I'm expecting them. And word on the street, there is going to be another season of the Book of Boba Fett. But that's really what this was. This was a lot of setup for what the Book of Boba Fett was going to be about. Setting up why Boba Fett wants to be this leader and do better for people than the ones that came before him. Based on his time with the Sand People. Based on realizing that you got to have a tribe. you got to have a family. And, and it's about him building that around himself. It's about him gaining that foothold and becoming the respected leader. You know, you, you can't just come in to a situation like he did and just demand, you know, tell everybody you're the daimyo and everybody's going to respect you and and treat you as the really leader that you you want to be. You've got to earn that. And and this was that was the that was the arc of this story is Boba Fett earning that, earning his place as the daimyo earning his place, not just taking it by force. You got to earn it. You got to earn people's love and respect and trust. And, and that was something he learned along the way. And that was something that he earned along the way, which, uh, which I found fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of this. It took a little time to develop, uh, certainly, but now that it is developed, I think a second season will be able to take us at a little bit of more of a, uh, a faster pace way of storytelling uh, you're not going to have all the back to tank flashbacks uh, kind of splitting up the story into two separate stories uh, you're going to be able to focus on one narrative which they did sort of <laughs> in the last few episodes which leads me to uh, one of the other things I, I loved and I know I, I can't say I can't say I didn't love it in some regards. I, I loved it completely, but uh, the last few episodes felt like, or at least the uh, episode five and six felt like the Mandalorian season two point five because it was you know episode five was all about the Mandalorian and we got the Fennec Shand glimpse at the very end and then episode six was i mean we did get a glimpse of boba fett but there again it was all about the mandalorian and, and it, it just felt it, it broke up the season in a way that i don't think helped the detractors look at this in a more uh glowing light was it fun uh, did business pick up when the Mandalorian showed up? Yeah, you bet your ass it did. Uh, my wife started to watch Book of Boba Fett with me, but she's she's a casual Star Wars fan. She she didn't really get what the fuss was about with Boba Fett. She started to watch it with me, and then she kind of got bored. And I could understand that. This was a series meant for the hardcore Star Wars fan that just loved Boba Fett and just wanted to dive in and devour any information they could on this, this really cool character. And that's not the type of Star Wars fan my wife is. So she missed a couple episodes. I mean, she kind of was bouncing around the house doing this and that as I had it on. She kind of had a vague idea of what was going on, but then... When the Mandalorian showed up, she sat down and started watching. And she was like, oh, if it had been like this the whole time, I would have not lost interest. And I don't know if that's a failing on on anyone's part. But yeah, the episodes where the Mandalorian showed up, uh, business was at a, a, a fever pitch because they had a lot of story we wanted to tell in a small amount of time. And they really 
packed a lot into those couple episodes that focus primarily on the Mandalorian and Grogu. I think with the Boba Fett aspect of this series, uh, they had only so much story to tell and it wasn't enough to fill the amount of episodes that they were trying to put in place and, and do it in a way that was all action-packed. And and to be quite honest, though, you know, a lot of the stuff, negotiations with other crime families and, and negotiations with the mayor and the pikes and, and none of that stuff is terribly sexy and glamorous and breakneck speed action. So uh, maybe it was a good thing that they popped in uh, Dinjar and the Mandalorian into this to kind of uh, pick up the pace a little bit because I think, like I said, this was a lot of setup. Uh, first seasons are always a lot of setup for anything, and some may be a little less action packed than others. This just happened to be less action packed and more character driven, more story development driven. But when the Mandalorian shows up, it's it's always action packed, and that was that was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to see that cool intro of the Mandalorian in that meat factory, kind of a, a mirror with the first time we see him in Episode One of the Mandalorian. I can take you in warm, or I can take you in cold. That sort of thing was very cool. We got a lot of history about Mandalore and the Mandalorian people. People and the dark saber and then episode six was was quite cool because we got to see luke skywalker again uh trading baby yoda grogu uh we got the ahsoka tano cameo with rosario dawson which uh, i can't wait for the ahsoka series but we saw the temple that we see burnt down in the in the new Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. We get to see that being built. It's just a lot of cool Easter eggs and a lot of cool stuff, a lot of lot to really take in. And like I said, it was really cool to see Luke Skywalker training Grogu and then see Grogu give the option to go and be a Mandalorian or be a Jedi. Uh, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Grogu studying the ways of the Force. Will we see it with Luke Skywalker again? I don't know. Will we see him train with Ahsoka Tano? I don't know. Will we see him training on his own? Or, or maybe some other. You know, there are still some Jedis out there. Ezra Bridger. There's a lot of talk about him showing up in the Ahsoka series. There's also the kid, I can't remember his name, from the, the video game that everybody keeps uh, making a big fuss about because his little droid showed up at uh, Pelimato's little uh, spaceport. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there with that. And, and speaking of Pelimato, uh, I do want to talk about, there was a lot of really cool cameos in this. Some of of them were a little felt a little forced some of them were very awesome of course we had steven root a uh, hilarious guy uh we all know him as milton from office space but uh he made a, a cameo danny treo as the rancor trainer which that was cool the whole deal with boba fett getting his own rancor monster and then the the whole rancor riding scene at the end was just badass and looked really good i was you know sometimes with with tv series even if it is disney and star wars uh even with the mandalorian some of the cg sometimes can be a little some of it's really good, don't get me wrong, but some of it can be a little iffy. But I thought the Rancor scene, they they must have set aside a good bit of budget to really do the Rancor scene right, especially in that finale. Uh, so it was really cool. It was cool to see Danny Trejo play a Rancor trainer. Uh, he just, he kind of, 
it, it was always so funny in Return of the Jedi when Luke kills the Rancor monster and the Rancor trainer and Keeper uh, starts crying. Uh, Danny Trejo kind of, he kind of gives off that vibe. Like just a, a a big tough guy, but with a soft spot in his heart for this this creature, and uh, a, a very you know loving, affectionate feeling for these for these creatures. And I thought he was a great addition uh, to the cast. Uh, Thundercat, of course, great bass guitarist. He played bass for a while in the 2000s. One of my favorite thrash bands of the uh, late 80s, early 90s, Suicidal Tendencies. Uh, Thundercat played the mod artist. And we'll get to the mods here in a minute, uh, what I thought of those. But uh, Amy Swallow returned as the armor. Amy Sedaris played Pelimato, uh, the... She runs that hangar at the most Eisley spaceport. And uh, she, she is so funny. Uh, I loved her on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I loved her in this. Sometimes characters like that kind of feel like they take me out of the Star Wars universe. The Steven Root character, just the way he talked, felt like it took me out of the... Uh, Star Wars universe. Um, there's another character I can't remember. He plays the kind of the right hand man of the Mos Espa mayor. The way he talked kind of took me out, but but <laughs> Amy Sedaris is so funny that the Pelimato character. It just all of her little lines, whether they were scripted that way or she ad libbed them, were just hilarious. But uh, but always glad to see her make an appearance, uh, whether it's on The Mandalorian or this. Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth made a return. We talked about Rosario Dawson. Mark Hamill did the voice of Luke Skywalker again. Uh, they did a really good job with that. The Mandalorian, at the end, when Luke Skywalker showed up, everybody bitched about how the the deep faking technology they used, the, the mouth wasn't quite right when he spoke. And it was kind of cool because there's this cat, and I can't remember his name, but he does deep fakes uh, like for YouTube and he redid it essentially and it looks so much better. And Disney actually hired him to do all the, the Mark Hamill de-aging uh, which uh, which it, it looked so much better, and they they also uh, played it safe where they didn't focus a whole lot on the head and the mouth when Luke Skywalker had dialogue scenes, so that really helped. But there was, uh, like I said, the the mods Thundercat was the mod artist. They did bring in a bunch of these characters that kind of became soldiers or generals for Boba Fett. The the mods, uh, a bunch of these younger uh, humans that have had cybernetic modifications to their bodies. Some of them looked cool. Some of them looked a little hokey, like they just slapped a, a, an eyepiece over somebody's eye. Uh, they ran around on these speeder bikes that looked like uh, the Star Wars equivalent of a Vespa, which, I, I don't know, it looked kind of... It, it made me laugh, is what it did. It didn't look cool at all. But it was a part of the show that I, I understood. Uh, I wouldn't have been... Disappointed if they would have left all that mod stuff out. But we did find out that uh, Thundercat's character, the mod artist, uh, was the one who fixed uh, Fennec Shand and gave her the cybernetic components that made her survive after the events of The Mandalorian Season 2. But one of the coolest cameos in this, and it was something that I, I wondered, and there was talk about whether this, would, this character would show up or not, but... Uh, they brought back Cad Bane 
from the Clone Wars. I, I can't. I think he may have been in Rebels. He was in uh, the Bad Batch. Uh, just a, a badass character. I was wondering how they were going to do that. Whether it was going to be complete CG, and I think it was a mix of of practical somebody in a suit and a CG head or something. But it looked so good. Uh, what they did with Cad Bane, the eyes just looked uh, weird and bizarre and unearthly and inhuman. And they brought back Corey uh, Burton, who does the voice. He does the voice for tons of Disney stuff, but he did the voice for Cad Bane in, in all the animated series. And just such a cool bounty hunter. Kind of has that. I know they they model him after Lee Van Cleef, who did a lot of the westerns back in the 50s and the 60s. You know, part of Good, Bad, and the Ugly with Clint Eastwood. You get a little bit of Clint Eastwood in that character as well. But uh, such a badass character. And there's a lot of history between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. And it was kind of cool to see the showdown. Uh, there's some unreleased episodes of, I can't remember if it was Clone Wars or Rebels, but uh, where they have a showdown. And, and we kind of got to see the live action uh, rematch of that, which it was just so cool to see that character uh, because he's such a, an iconic character and a fan favorite from the animated series and to be able to see him show up in this in live action was just really badass. And then at the very end, I, I really liked how we got to see the return of Grogu with the Mandalorian. Uh, we saw which, which path that Grogu wanted to take and uh, the scene, you know, hearkening back to Yoda's size man matters not where he puts the rancor to sleep and then <laughs> snuggles up beside to take a little nap because uh, as we know with the Mudhorn, uh, every time Groku has to use a great amount of force power, uh, he gets he gets a little sleepy, has to take a little nappy poo. But uh, but that was really cool and really a lot of episode five, six, and seven was a lot of setup. For the Mandalorian season three, because one of the last scenes we get is the Mandalorian flying in that uh, that N Naboo starfighter, where he's got the the droid hatch uh, <laughs> outfitted, so Grogu uh, can sit in there just as cute as can be. Uh, but we gotta imagine we're gonna pick up with Mandalorian season three some to sometimes towards the end of the year. Uh, we're gonna see them uh, probably pick up not long after that final scene. And then we got the PS scene. You know, there was the big showdown between Cobb Vanth, Timothy Oliphant's character, and Cad Bane. You know, everybody slowed down that gunfight, and the shot, Cad Bane shot him, uh, was like in the shoulder. Uh, but then they made it seem like he was dead. Uh, but we finally see him in the back-to-tank with uh, Thundercat, the mod artist, and he's he's fixing them up. So we haven't seen the last of Timothy Oliphant as uh, Cobb Vanth in the Star Wars uh, Disney Plus universe. So good because I, I like that character. I think uh, I think it's really cool. I, I joked to my wife that we're going to be getting uh, season one of a new uh, Disney Plus Star Wars series, Cobb Vanth Tatooine Ranger. I don't know if she appreciated my uh, Walker Texas Ranger reference there. You may not have, as, you may not have as well, but but here we are. But really, all in all, I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett season one. Uh, they kind of end with Boba Fett. He's there with uh, with Finnick Shand. Uh, I, I really didn't get to talk. Uh, I didn't say anything about uh, the one character. Uh, 
we know him from the the comics. Marvel did that uh, Darth Vader series, and there's a Wookiee in there, Black Chrysanthemum. They just call him Chrysanthemum in this, or Santo, as as Boba Fett starts to call him as a little nickname. But uh, he's this Wookiee, former gladiator, Wookiee bounty hunter, uh, badass. I mean, you take like Chewbacca and give him some. Uh, Rob Zombie dreadlocks and a, a bigger, beefier frame and and a, a more snarly attitude. Uh, you've got Chrysanthemum, and it was really cool to see him join Boba Fett's little team with with him, Fennec Shand, Chrysanthemum, the mods. Uh, they've kind of got this little family now on Tatooine, which is what you know. This is where Boba Fett's character was going, and he's he's ruling. Uh, Mos Espa and that section of Tatooine as a benevolent, benevolent leader. He's looking out for them. He's protecting them. And it was kind of interesting to see his character uh, develop from this stone cold bounty hunter that's only looking out for himself, uh, a solitary, lone man in his ship out patrolling space, trying to collect bounties to this this leader and a member of a tribe, a family. And it, it, like I said, it was interesting to see that character development uh, of this character that we've loved so much but have seen so little of, unless you really got into the, you know, the books and the comics and, and all the extended universe stuff. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't mind, like I said, I didn't mind the flashback scenes because I understood what they were meant to do. Um, I didn't mind the pacing of the present day stuff because I understood that, you know, if this is a first season of more to come, then this is really all just set up for for bigger things later, as as it's going to be with any first season. Could it have been paced a little better? Could they have made things a little more adventurous? Yeah, they probably could have, but I don't think they need to because I think there's more adventure to come. Could they have not take us completely out of the Boba Fett story and put us into the Mandalorian story. <laughs> I, I, they did that just because they could, I think. Uh, I think they wanted to, to set up some things for Mandalorian Season 3 that they couldn't do right off the bat in that first episode of Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, that's yet to be seen. So uh, I get why they did it. Did they have to? I, I don't know. I kind of wish they would have left the Boba Fett series to be just about Boba Fett, but boy, did I enjoy the hell out of all that Mandalorian stuff in uh, in this season. So all in all, was it a perfect series? No, it wasn't a perfect series. I can understand some of the complaints from people about it. It's just I didn't care uh, enough. I was just enjoying the ride, enjoying the story, enjoying the characters, enjoying being immersed in this world that uh, that I've loved ever since I was a kid and just enjoyed having fun with all the characters and all the storytelling and I think people get so caught up in what the, how they think a story should be told or how oh well they've got to subvert my expectations or it's no fun or it's no good well you know Star Wars has never been about subverting expectations have there there been twists along the way certainly I am your father <laughs> Uh, that sort of thing. But I think that's where fans get lost because they get too caught up in the, I, I need my expectations subverted. Ryan Johnson fed enough of that to fans in Last Jedi. He he went out to do just that, subvert everyone's expectations. And you see how 
divided everybody is on that. You either love that movie, and there are some people that just love that movie irrationally, and there are people that hate it. I, I don't think it was a bad movie. I just think it was, this isn't the right vehicle to to start, like I said, trying to subvert everyone's expectations, because that's not what Star Wars is about. Star Wars is about good versus evil. Star Wars is a, it's a space opera western maybe not done to the the quite literal interpretation of that with guys like Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane but it is it's a western of sorts and if you want your expectations subverted go watch some high art film or or what have you but uh but yeah just just sit back and enjoy the ride I think people that just enjoy Star Wars and just enjoy being put back in the universe and and watching cool characters and good stories. I think they enjoyed it. People that are are just so caught up in their own desires for what good storytelling should be or how stories should be told. I I think they're the ones that don't like it. Was every scene action-packed? No. But in those scenes, maybe you learned something or you were given a reference to something or there was always something interesting in every scene, whether it was action-packed or if it was character-driven or story-driven, Easter egg-driven, there was always something to to hold your attention and keep you interested in what was going on. may not have all happened at the same time, but it doesn't all. You don't have to have everything spoon-fed to you at once. And when you've got characters like, uh, or, or actors, I should say, like uh, Timora Morrison as Boba Fett and Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, those two actors I just love. I, I know Timora uh, Morrison has said that he, he thinks Boba Fett talks a little too much, uh, but but I, I like the portrayal. I like the, you know, you still get a sense of this shoot first, ask questions later, or shoot first and don't ask any questions type of bounty hunter. He still has that quiet steeliness about him, but he's he's warmed up. You know, it's it's kind of like that reformed gunman, speaking of Westerns, where he's, you know, he's been a stone cold killer and you'll never be able to completely take that out of him, but he has warmed up a little bit. Ming-Na Wen, I could watch a show just based on the Fennec Shand character. Uh, one, I love Ming-Na Wen. Uh, anything I've seen her in, I've just absolutely loved her. Uh, I think she does a fantastic job uh, from Mulan to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to this, everything and anything in between. I, I love her as an actress. I think she does a spectacular job. And she plays this part, this Fennec Shand character, just so expertly. I, I love the character. I love the actress who plays the character. Uh, I was so excited when a younger version of her character, still voiced by Ming-Na Wen, showed up in the Bad Batch. Uh, it was cool to see Fennec Shand show up there. And just, uh, like I said, I could watch a whole series dedicated to, to just... Uh, Fennec Shand, played by Ming-Na Wen. I think that was fantastic. And then, of course, uh, Pedro Pascal uh, coming back as the Mandalorian. This really got me excited uh, about what's to come for Mandalorian Season 3, like I said, which we'll see probably coming out uh, later this year, uh, probably fall, maybe December, somewhere around there. So all in all, I enjoyed The Book of Boba Fett. It really, I guess if you want to say, you know, I've been bemoaning the whole idea that everything has to subvert expectations, but maybe it's because I wasn't sure what to expect from this. 
So in a way, it was my expectations. Uh, if I had any, may have been subverted. I, I don't know, but I was just uh, uh, enjoying the ride, enjoying seeing this character, finding out more about this character. What makes this character tick? Why is why is it that? Boba Fett is the way he is when we're reintroduced to him in The Mandalorian Season 2. Why is it that he is that way from where he was in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? And to have a lot of those dots connected between those two places for that character was was really fun to watch. And like I said, a, a great cast, uh, great direction, uh, a lot of... A lot of episodes directed by Robert Rodriguez. He did a great job. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, her episode five, that was the return of the Mandalorian, uh, has everybody clamoring for her to direct a Star Wars film, which I'd be all on board with that. And, and so many other great uh, directors. Uh, Dave Filoni directed episode two. Other directors as well did a fantastic job. Just everybody top to bottom did a really good job on this series, uh, much like the Mandalorian uh, you've come to expect a certain quality from Dave Filoni and John Favreau and their team that puts together these shows, and and you got that in spades with this. And are we going to get a Book of Boba Fett season two? Well, Disney hasn't announced anything, but uh, I I wouldn't be surprised. They set it up to where this this could have been it. This could have been just a, a limited run, a limited series. Uh, just one done sort of thing. All is well on Tatooine. Boba Fett's running everything and, and, and all is right with the world. Uh, but they also set it up to where, you know, we could, we finally got Boba Fett established here and what comes next. I, I could really see uh, a very more action packed uh, season two if they so decide to do that. And I would be really surprised if they didn't. There have been there have been other shows where we thought uh, they weren't going to do a season two. They were just going to do a one and done with uh, some of the Marvel. And I think, don't be surprised if we see a season two from Book of Boba Fett uh, sometime in the not too distant future. And, and what do we have for uh, The Mandalorian? Because this really set up season three of The Mandalorian. Mandalorian, I think he's still looking for a new Razor Crest. Uh, I don't think he's going to be flying around in that Naboo fighter for for too much longer. But, uh, but that's where we're at. He and Grogu are... Speeding around space in that starfighter, and uh, what what are we gonna see next? You know, uh, Ahsoka Tano. She said that uh, you know she might see Luke. Uh, I'm sure she'll see the Mandalorian and Grogu again. Uh, are we gonna run into those two? Are we gonna run into Luke Skywalker again? Is the Mandalorian gonna get hooked back up with uh, Katie Sackhoff's Bo-Katan Kryze and the and the Night Owls uh, trying to to take back Mandalore? I believe they're also looking for uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. How is Grogu gonna continue his his maybe not Jedi training but Force training? It's it's all a, a lot of interesting things. You know, uh, Luke Skywalker gave him the choice between the Mandalorian chainmail armor and Yoda's old lightsaber. When are we gonna see Grogu with his own lightsaber? Uh, you gotta imagine that's gonna be coming somewhere along the way because they've teased that in in posters uh, setting up uh, the Mandalorian season three. So uh, a lot of questions. The table is set for some cool stuff coming up in Mandalorian season three, which I believe we'll be getting uh, later this year. So really excited about that, and like I said, excited to see if they do decide to do a Book of Boba Fett season two. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to hear my thoughts on uh, Disney. Plus is the book of Boba Fett. 
Uh, I really enjoyed the show, whether whether it met or exceeded or subverted my expectations. I just enjoyed the ride and enjoyed the characters and enjoyed the stories. Hopefully you did as well. Check out our Facebook fan page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, to find out uh, what we're going to be talking about next. Coming up on Thursday's episode, we're going to be talking about the new movie Moonfall, which is a, a movie I was really interested in seeing and it was more than what I expected. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on Thursday's episode. You can keep track of all that when uh, we're going to have new episodes and what we're going to be talking about on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Also uh, posting uh, different articles and trailers about the movies and TV shows that uh, and streaming shows that uh, we love in horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. So if you check that out, and no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please uh, like it, subscribe to it, share it, share it with your friends and family, everyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi, and uh, get the word out and spread the word about Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. <laughs> Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items. Never fear, there's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> Well, hello there. So wonderful to see you back at the shop here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker. And today we have something very wondrous to show you. Let me pull this off the wall here. It's a staff of sorts. Looks like it is some sort of tribal weapon. Uh, it's wood of some foreign nature. It has a curve to the top with the uh, wood being carved into a spike. The bottom end of this staff uh, has a metal attachment again with a spike. This looks like uh, a tribal weapon of some sort and a, a weapon that may not be too dissimilar to that used by Tuscan Raiders in a galaxy far, far away. And that is the topic of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett. First off, I want to thank everyone for tuning back into Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Uh, last week, I had to take the week off, kind of unannounced, uh, dealing with a sick cat. My wife and I are, uh, and uh, all is all is well right now. But uh, but what we were going through at the time was uh, pretty strenuous stuff. But uh, but that's neither here nor there, and, and maybe I'll go a little more into detail uh, later about it. But uh, like I said, dealing with a, a sick pet, as anybody who has pets knows that can sometimes be a, a very frightening thing uh, when things are, are revealed to be a little more dire than you expected. But uh, in my time off last week, uh, I got to delve into the book of Boba Fett. 
Of course, I've been watching it all along. It's there are some shows where I'll wait till it's it's almost time for the finale, and then I'll just power through and watch all the episodes. But then there are shows like uh, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, a lot of the Disney Plus stuff that comes out weekly that I'm glued to my TV as soon as I get home from work uh, to watch the newest episode when they are released. And the Book of Boba Fett was like that. And got to wrap that up. And uh, wow, was I really pleased with the book of Boba Fett. Now, I know some reviewers, some critics weren't so high on the book of Boba Fett. We're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett. uh, Some of the things we saw in it. uh, Some spoilery things. I'm going to try not to be too spoilery. We'll talk about the characters we're introduced to. We'll talk about the characters that we saw. uh, Reprise roles that uh, we saw maybe in earlier Mandalorian episodes. And uh, some of the some of the things that went on, some of the things we can expect moving forward uh, with the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, the Star Wars universe in general, as it pertains to Disney Plus and the shows that they're putting out in the Star Wars universe. But we'll also talk about some of those things that I, some of the people that I heard talking about this show kind of bemoaning some of the aspects of it that I actually didn't mind. And we'll, we'll get into the the nuts and bolts of all that uh, as well as we talk about the book above fed on this episode. Uh, it all started out, of course, we got the PS scene at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. We're reintroduced to Boba Fett in The Mandalorian Season 2. Reintroduced to the Fennec Shand character, played by Ming-Na Wen. And, and I'll get into how much I love this character and Ming-Na Wen's uh, portrayal of Fennec Shand. But, you know, she showed up in The Mandalorian and uh, she reprised her role as kind of a partner with Boba Fett and the PS scene at the end of the Mandalorian season two saw Boba Fett uh, head back to Tatooine and take over Jabba the Hutt's territory, which had been taken over by Bib Fortuna. And he is dispatched of uh, post haste in that scene. And then they get that cool hero shot where, where Boba Fett is sitting on the throne and Fennec Shand is kind of at his side with the bottle of uh, space whiskey. And it was just such a cool end and a cool setup for the book of Boba Fett. And we kind of start off right there where Boba Fett has taken over Jabba Hutt's crime territory and for the most part, the first half of the Book of Boba Fett, at least as it is set in the present, is a lot about him reestablishing himself or establishing himself as this, I don't want to say crime boss, because he seems a little more honorable than that uh, right off the bat. And, and we learn about why this is with something we'll get into here in a second. But but the first part of this uh, seven episode series is Boba Fett getting his foot in the door and establishing himself as the daimyo or the the ruling syndicate of this area of Tatooine. And I get some of the some of the people that have been disparaging the book of Boba Fett uh, felt that that was all kind of boring. It felt uh, it felt a bit godfathery, which if you're not into that sort of thing, maybe maybe it wasn't your deal. But it was interesting to see, uh, you know, how Boba Fett is trying to build this empire. Uh, is it going to be a crime empire? We don't really know what Boba Fett's intentions are right off the bat. Is he just going to be another job of the hut and be this crime boss, or is he going to be? 
something a little more different, maybe an anti-hero. That's kind of where they were positioning him to be kind of this anti-hero because really uh, Boba Fett has gained such a following since his appearance in Empire Strikes Back, at least the appearance we all saw. Of course, he was in the uh, Star Wars holiday special, but very few people actually saw that when it uh, when it came out. But, but everybody gravitated so much towards Boba Fett with the Empire Strikes Back that there's just been this mythos around him and all the uh, legend stuff that came about and even even now that the legend stuff has been kind of decanonized and Disney Marvel they're they're trying to put forth comics and things like that that kind of delve into some of the territory where the legend stuff went uh yeah, there's just been this kind of aura of coolness around Boba Fett all these decades and even though he was never portrayed as a hero in the star wars movies uh, empire strikes back return of the jedi everybody kind of made him out to be this anti-hero uh, because they just thought he was so cool and and you didn't know in this book of boba fett is he going to continue that is he going to be this anti-hero is he going to be just a, a straight out hero we really didn't know going into this but they did something that i really enjoyed and a lot of people did not enjoy was the back to tank flashbacks I remember watching one video with this guy from this website that they post a lot of stuff and do a lot of videos. And and, and the guy, I, I usually really enjoy his stuff, but he went through this whole spiel about how they misused flashbacks and flashbacks are supposed to teach the person a lesson that involves what they're doing now. And, and uh, yeah, I get it. You looked up flashbacks and what they're supposed to mean on wikipedia and you're just regurgitating but really the flashbacks in this i don't think were used as a way to teach the protagonist a lesson from the past that they can apply to now i think flashbacks were merely a storytelling device in which they could tell two stories at once. And that's it. I, I don't think there was any greater meaning behind the flashbacks other than that. They wanted to tell the story of Boba Fett setting up this syndicate or whatever he's doing, becoming this crime boss or, or whatever you want to call it. They wanted to tell that story at the same time as telling the story of how he got to that point. That is all the flashbacks were, is a way to tell two stories, one set in the present, one set in the past, and tell them at the same time. It's plain and simple. There, there's nothing more to glean from that than just that. It's a, a way to tell two stories at once. And, and that's one of the things I really dug about this, was that we did get to see that backstory of Boba Fett, because... You know, up until The Mandalorian Season 2, uh, the last time we saw Boba Fett really was in Return of the Jedi. And he was swallowed by the Sarlacc. And there's been all of these fan-crafted theories and fan theories about how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc Pit. How he could have survived the Sarlacc Pit. And it was finally cool to get the definitive answer <laughs> how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc Pit. And we see him get out of the Sarlacc Pit using his, his guile and his weaponry. And then we see the draw, the Jawas steal his armor, which you know explains how Cobb Vanth ended up with it in season two of The Mandalorian. And we see Boba Fett taken in by the the Tuscans, the uh, Sand People. And it was a really cool journey. How he, you know, Boba Fett's always been kind of this loner. Uh, he's been the bounty hunter that kind of very similar to 
the Din Djarin, the Mandalorian character. You know, this this loner Mandalorian bounty hunter, uh, just looking out for themselves, by themselves. We see the Mandalorian come across Baby Yoda, as everyone likes to call him, or Grogu, and start to build a family. Well, we, we kind of saw that mirrored with Boba Fett. Boba Fett was always this loner Mandalorian bounty hunter that had no ties, but he, he gets caught up with these Tusken Raiders and they eventually, he earns their respect and becomes a part of their tribe and, and learns much like the Mandalorian that, you know, sometimes you do need a tribe. You do need family. It's okay to make things better for people that you allow yourself to come to care about. And it was really cool to watch that development of the character. And, and there again, I know a lot of people were, uh, have complained about the pacing of the first few episodes of the book of Boba Fett. But it really was all, it was a lot of character development. It was a lot of uh, story development. And sometimes you have to take a little while to, to develop that. Now, a lot of people weren't sure whether this was going to be a one-off series or if they were going to do multiple seasons. I think you almost have to do another season because you've really set up this big scene with this this first season of the book of Boba Fett and there's there's a lot of places they can go and maybe maybe they were just waiting to see how well it did. Uh, I had to I have to imagine that they should have known uh, anything about Boba Fett was probably going to be pretty pretty well received uh, regardless of what the critics and other reviewers say. But uh, I, I'm expecting them and word on the street that there is going to be another season of the Book of Boba Fett. But that's really what this was. This was a lot of setup for what the Book of Boba Fett was going to be about. Setting up why Boba Fett wants to be this leader and do better for people than the ones that came before him. Based on his time with the Sand People. Based on realizing that you got to have a tribe. you got to have a family. And, and it's about him building that around himself. It's about him gaining that foothold and becoming the respected leader. You know, you, you can't just come in to a situation like he did and just demand, you know, tell everybody you're the daimyo and everybody's going to respect you and and treat you as the leader that you you want to be. You've got to earn that. And and this was that was the that was the arc of this story is Boba Fett earning that, earning his place as the daimyo earning his place, not just taking it by force. You got to earn it. You got to earn people's love and respect and trust. And and that was something he learned along the way. And that was something that he earned along the way, which uh, which I found fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of this. It took a little time to develop, uh, certainly. But now that it is developed, I think a second season will be able to take us at a little bit of more of a, uh, a faster pace way of storytelling you're not going to have all the back to tank flashbacks uh, kind of splitting up the story into two separate stories uh, you're going to be able to focus on one narrative which they did sort of in the last few episodes which leads me to uh, one of the other things I, I loved and I now I, I can't say I can't say I didn't love it in some regards. I, I loved it completely, but uh, the last few episodes felt like, or at least the uh, episode five and six felt like the Mandalorian season two point five because it was you know episode five was all about the Mandalorian and we got the Fennec Shand 
glimpse at the very end. And then episode six was, I mean, we did get a glimpse of Boba Fett, but there again, it was all about the Mandalorian. And, and it, it just felt, it, it broke up the season in a way that I don't think helped the detractors look at this in a more uh, glowing light. Was it fun? Uh, did business pick up when the Mandalorian showed up? Yeah, you bet your ass it did. Uh, my wife started to watch Book of Boba Fett with me, but she's she's a casual Star Wars fan. She she didn't really get what the fuss was about with Boba Fett. She started to watch it with me, and then she kind of got bored. And I could understand that. This was a series meant for the hardcore Star Wars fan that just loved Boba Fett and just wanted to dive in and devour any information they could on this, this really cool character. And that's not the type of Star Wars fan my wife is. So she missed a couple episodes. I mean, she kind of was bouncing around the house doing this and that as I had it on. She kind of had a vague idea of what was going on, but then... When the Mandalorian showed up, she sat down and started watching. And she was like, oh, if it had been like this the whole time, I would have not lost interest. And I don't know if that's a failing on on anyone's part. But yeah, the episodes where the Mandalorian showed up, uh, business was at a, a, a fever pitch because they had a lot of story they wanted to tell in a small amount of time. And they really packed a lot into those couple episodes that focused primarily on the Mandalorian and Grogu. I think with the Boba Fett aspect of this series, uh, they had only so much story to tell and it wasn't enough to fill the amount of episodes that they were trying to put in place and, and do it in a way that was all action packed. And, and to be quite honest though, you know, a lot of the stuff, negotiations with other crime families and, and negotiations with the mayor and the pikes and, and none of that stuff is terribly sexy and glamorous and breakneck speed action. So, uh, maybe it was a good thing that they popped in, uh, Din Djarin and the Mandalorian into this to kind of uh, pick up the pace a little bit. Because I think, like I said, this was a lot of setup. Uh, first seasons are always a lot of setup for anything. And some may be a little less action-packed than others. This just happened to be less action-packed and more character-driven, more story development-driven. But when The Mandalorian shows up, it's it's always action-packed. And that was that was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to see that cool intro of The Mandalorian and that meat factory. Kind of a, a mirror with the first time we see him in Episode 1 of The Mandalorian. I can take you in warm or I can take you in cold. That sort of thing was very cool. We got a lot of history about Mandalore and the Mandalorian people. People and the dark saber and then episode six was was quite cool because we got to see luke skywalker again uh trading baby yoda grogu uh we got the ahsoka tano cameo with rosario dawson which uh, i can't wait for the ahsoka series but we saw the temple that we see burnt down in the in the new Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. We get to see that being built. It's just a lot of cool Easter eggs and a lot of cool stuff, a lot of lot to really take in. And like I said, it was really cool to see Luke Skywalker training Grogu and then see Grogu give the option to go and be a Mandalorian or be a Jedi. Uh, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Grogu studying the ways of the Force. Will we see it with Luke Skywalker again? I don't know. Will we see him train with Ahsoka Tano? I don't know. 
Will we see him training on his own or, or maybe some other, you know, there are still some Jedi's out there. Ezra Bridger. There's a lot of talk about him showing up in the Ahsoka series. There's also the kid. I can't remember his name from the, the video game that everybody keeps uh, making a big fuss about because his little droid showed up at uh, Pelimato's little uh, spaceport. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there with that. And, and speaking of Pelimato, uh, I do want to talk about, there was a lot of really cool cameos in this. Some of of them were a little felt a little forced some of them were very awesome of course we had steven root a uh, hilarious guy uh we all know him as milton from office space but uh he made a, a cameo danny treo as the rancor trainer which that was cool the whole deal with boba fett getting his own rancor monster and then the the whole rancor riding scene at the end was just badass and looked really good i was you know sometimes with with tv series even if it is disney and star wars uh even with the mandalorian some of the cg sometimes can be a little some of it's really good, don't get me wrong, but some of it can be a little iffy. But I thought the Rancor scene, they they must have set aside a good bit of budget to really do the Rancor scene right, especially in that finale. Uh, so it was really cool. It was cool to see Danny Trejo play a Rancor trainer. Uh, he just, he kind of, uh, it, it was always so funny in Return of the Jedi when Luke kills the Rancor monster and the Rancor trainer and Keeper uh, starts crying. Uh, Danny Trejo kind of, he kind of gives off that vibe. Like just a, a, a big tough guy, but with a soft spot in his heart for this, this creature and uh, a, a very, you know, loving affectionate feeling for these for these creatures and i thought he was a great addition uh to the cast uh thundercat of course great bass guitarist he played bass for a while in the 2000s one of my favorite thrash bands of the uh late 80s early 90s suicidal tendencies uh thundercat played the mod artist and we'll get to the mods here in a minute uh what i thought of those but uh, amy swallow returned as the armor Amy Sedaris played Pelimato. Uh, the she runs that hangar at the most likely spaceport, and uh, she she is so funny. Uh, I loved her on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I loved her in this. Sometimes characters like that kind of feel like they take me out of the Star Wars universe. The Stephen Root character, just the way he talked, felt like it took me out of the. Uh, Star Wars universe. Um, there's another character I can't remember. He plays the kind of the right hand man of the Mos Espa mayor. The way he talked kind of took me out, but but <laughs> Amy Sedaris is so funny that the Pelimato character. It just all of her little lines, whether they were scripted that way or she ad libbed them, were just hilarious. But uh, but always glad to see her make an appearance uh whether it's on the mandalorian or this timothy oliphant as cobb vanth made a return we talked about rosario dawson mark hamill did the voice of luke skywalker again uh they did a really good job with that the mandalorian at the end when luke skywalker showed up everybody bitched about how the the deep faking technology they used the the mouth wasn't quite right when he spoke and it was kind of cool because there's this cat and i can't remember his name but he does deep fakes uh like for youtube and he redid it essentially and it looks so much better and disney actually hired him to do all the the mark hamill de-aging 
uh, which uh, which it, it looked so much better. And they they also uh, played it safe where they didn't focus a whole lot on the head and the mouth when Luke Skywalker had dialogue scenes. So that really helped. But there was, uh, like I said, the, the mods, Thundercat was the mod artist. They did bring in a bunch of these characters that kind of became soldiers or generals for Boba Fett, the, the mods, uh, a bunch of these younger uh, humans that have had cybernetic modifications to their bodies. Some of them looked cool. Some of them looked a little hokey, like they just slapped a, a, an eyepiece over somebody's eye. Uh, they ran around on these speeder bikes that looked like uh, the Star Wars equivalent of a Vespa, which, I, I don't know, it looked kind of it, it made me laugh, is what it did. It didn't look cool at all. But it was a part of the show that I, I understood. Uh, I wouldn't have been disappointed if they would have left all that mod stuff out but we did find out that uh thundercats character the mod artist uh was the one who fixed uh, fennec shand and gave her the cybernetic components that made her survive after the events of the mandalorian season two but one of the coolest cameos in this and it was something that i i wondered and there was talk about whether this would this character would show up or not but uh they brought back Cad Bane from the Clone Wars. I, I can't. I think he may have been in Rebels. He was in uh, the Bad Batch. Uh, just a, a badass character. I was wondering how they were going to do that. Whether it was going to be complete CG, and I think it was a mix of of practical somebody in a suit and a CG head or something. But it looked so good. Uh, what they did with Cad Bane, the eyes just looked. Uh, weird and bizarre and unearthly and inhuman. And they brought back Corey uh, Burton, who does the voice. He does a voice for tons of Disney stuff, but he did the voice for Cad Bane in, in all the animated series. And just such a cool bounty hunter. Kind of has that. I, I know they, they model him after Lee Van Cleef, who did a lot of the Westerns back in the 50s and the 60s. You know, part of Good, Bad, and the Ugly with Clint Eastwood. You get a little bit of Clint Eastwood in that character as well. But uh, such a badass character. And there's a lot of history between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. And it was kind of cool to see the showdown. Uh, there's some unreleased episodes of, I can't remember, it was Clone Wars rebels but uh, where they have a showdown and, and we kind of got to see the live action uh, rematch of that which it was just so cool to see that character uh, because he's such a an iconic character and a fan favorite from the animated series and to be able to see him show up in this in live action was just really badass now at the very end, I really liked how we got to see the return of Grogu with the Mandalorian. Uh, we saw which which path that Grogu wanted to take, and uh, the scene, you know, hearkening back to Yoda's size man matters not, where he puts the Rancor to sleep and then <laughs> snuggles up beside to take a little nap because, uh, as we know, with the Mudhorn, uh, every time Grogu has to use a great amount of Force power, uh, he gets. He gets a little sleepy, has to take a little nappy poo, but uh, but that was really cool. And really, a lot of episode five, six, and seven was a lot of setup 
for the Mandalorian season three because one of the last scenes we get is the Mandalorian flying in that uh, that Naboo starfighter where he's got the the droid hatch uh, <laughs> outfitted so Grogu uh, can sit in there just as cute as can be. Uh, but we gotta imagine we're gonna pick up. With Mandalorian season three, some to- sometimes towards the end of the year, uh, we're gonna see them uh, probably pick up not long after that final scene, and then we got the PS scene. You know, there was the big showdown between Cobb Vanth, Timothy Oliphant's character, and Cad Bane. You know, everybody slowed down that gunfight, and the shot Cad Bane shot him uh, was like in the shoulder, uh, but then they made it seem like he was dead. Uh, but we finally see him in the back to tank with uh thundercat the mod artist and he's he's fixing them up so we haven't seen the last of timothy oliphant as uh, Cobb vanth in the star wars uh, disney plus universe so good because i i like that character i think uh i think it's really cool i, I joked to my wife that we're going to be getting uh, season one of a new uh disney plus star wars series Cobb vanth tatooine ranger i don't know if she appreciated my uh walker texas ranger reference there you may not have as you may not have as well, but but here we are. But really, all in all, I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett season one. Uh, they kind of end with Boba Fett. He's there with uh, with Finnick Shand. Uh, I, I really didn't get to talk. Uh, I didn't say anything about uh, the one character. Uh, we know him from the the comics. Marvel did that uh, Darth Vader series, and there's a Wookiee in there, Black Chrysanthemum. They just call him Chrysanthemum in this, or Santo, as as Boba Fett starts to call him as a little nickname. But uh, he's this Wookiee, former gladiator, Wookiee bounty hunter, uh, badass. I mean, you take like Chewbacca and give him some. Uh, Rob Zombie dreadlocks and a, a bigger, beefier frame and and a, a more snarly attitude. Uh, you've got Chrysanthemum, and it was really cool to see him join Boba Fett's little team with with him, Fennec Shand, Chrysanthemum, the mods. Uh, they've kind of got this little family now on Tatooine, which is what you know. This is where Boba Fett's character was going, and he's he's ruling. Uh, Mos Espa and that section of Tatooine as a benevolent, benevolent leader. He's looking out for them. He's protecting them. And it was kind of interesting to see his character uh, develop from this stone-cold bounty hunter that's only looking out for himself, uh, a solitary, lone man in his ship out patrolling space trying to collect bounties to this, this leader and a member of a tribe, a family. And it, it, like I said, it was interesting to see that character development uh, of this character that we've loved so much but have seen so little of, unless you really got into the, you know, the books and the comics and, and all the extended universe stuff. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't mind, like I said, I didn't mind the flashback scenes because I understood what they were meant to do. Um, I didn't mind the pacing of the present day stuff because I understood that, you know, if this is a first season of more to come, then this is really all just set up for for bigger things later, as as it's going to be with any first season. Could it have been paced a little better? Could they have made things a little more adventurous? Yeah, they probably could have, but I don't think they need to because I think there's more adventure to come. Could they have not taken us completely out of the Boba Fett story and put us into the Mandalorian story. 
I, they did that just because they could, I think. Uh, I think they wanted to, to set up some things for Mandalorian Season 3 that they couldn't do right off the bat in that first episode of Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, that's yet to be seen. So uh, I get why they did it. Did they have to? I, I don't know. I kind of wish they would have left the Boba Fett series to be just about Boba Fett, but boy, did I enjoy the hell out of all that Mandalorian stuff in uh, in this season. So all in all, was it a perfect series? No, it, it wasn't a perfect series. I can understand some of the complaints from people about it. It's just, I didn't care uh, enough. I was just enjoying the ride, enjoying the story, enjoying the characters, enjoying being immersed in this world that uh, that I've loved ever since I was a kid and just enjoyed having fun with all the characters and all the storytelling. And I think people get so caught up in what the, how they think a story should be told or how, oh, well, they've got to subvert my expectations or it's no fun or it's no good. Well, you know, Star Wars has never been about subverting expectations. Have there there been twists along the way? Certainly, I am your father, uh, that sort of thing. But I think that's where... Fans get lost because they get too caught up in the, I, I need my expectations subverted. Ryan Johnson fed enough of that to fans in Last Jedi. He he went out to do just that, subvert everyone's expectations. And you see how divided everybody is on that. You either love that movie, and there are some people that just love that movie irrationally, and there are people that hate it. I, I don't think it was a bad movie. I just think it was... This isn't the right vehicle to to start, like I said, trying to subvert everyone's expectations because that's not what Star Wars is about. Star Wars is about good versus evil. Star Wars is a it's a space opera western. Maybe not done to the the quite literal interpretation of that with guys like Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane, but it is a, it's a western of sorts. And if you want your expectations subverted, go watch some high art film or, or what have you but uh but yeah just just sit back and enjoy the ride i think people that just enjoy star wars and just enjoy being put back in the universe and, and watching cool characters and good stories i think they enjoyed it people that are, are just so caught up in their own desires for what good storytelling should be or how stories should be told i, I think they're the ones that don't like it was every scene action-packed no but in those scenes, maybe you learned something or you were given a reference to something or there was always something interesting in every scene, whether it was action packed or if it was character driven or story driven, Easter egg driven. There was always something to to hold your attention and keep you interested in what was going on. May not have all happened at the same time, but it doesn't all you don't have to have everything spoon fed to you at once and when you've got characters like uh, or, or actors i should say like uh timora morrison as boba fett and ming na wen as fennec shand those two actors i just love i, I know timora uh morrison has said that he, he thinks boba fett talks a little too much uh but but i i like the portrayal i like the you know you still get a sense of this shoot first, ask questions later, or shoot first and don't ask any questions type of bounty hunter. He still has that quiet steeliness about him, 
but he's he's warmed up. You know, it's it's kind of like that reformed gunman. Speaking of westerns, where he's you know he's been a stone cold killer, and you'll never be able to completely take that out of him. But he has warmed up a little bit. Ming Na Wen, I could watch a show just based on the Fennec Shand character. Uh, one, I love Ming Na Wen. Uh, anything I've seen her in, I've just absolutely loved her. Uh, I think she does a fantastic job. Uh, from Mulan to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to this, everything and anything in between. I, I love her as an actress. I think she does a spectacular job. And she plays this part, this Fennec Shand character, just so expertly. I, I love the character. I love the actress who plays the character. Uh, I was so excited when a younger version of her character, still voiced by Ming-Na Wen, showed up in The Bad Batch. Uh, it was cool to see Fennec Shand show up there and just uh like i said i could watch a whole series dedicated to just uh fennec shand played by ming na wen i think that was fantastic and then of course uh pedro pascal uh, coming back as the mandalorian this really got me excited uh, about what's to come for mandalorian season three like i said which we'll see probably coming out uh later this year uh, probably fall, maybe December, somewhere around there. So all in all, I enjoyed the book of Boba Fett. It really, it, it, I guess if you want to say, you know, I, I've been bemoaning the whole idea that everything has to subvert expectations, but maybe it's because I wasn't sure what to expect from this. So in a way, it was my expectations. Uh, if I had any, may have been subverted. I, I don't know, but I was just uh, uh, enjoying the ride, enjoying seeing this character, finding out more about this character. What makes this character tick? Why is why is it that Boba Fett is the way he is when we're reintroduced to him in the Mandalorian season two? Why is it that he is that way from where he was in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? And to have a lot of those dots connected between those two places for that character was was really fun to watch. And like I said, a, a great cast, uh, great direction, uh, a lot of a lot of episodes directed by Robert Rodriguez. He did a great job. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, her episode five that was the return of the Mandalorian, uh, has everybody clamoring for her to direct a Star Wars film, which. I'd be all on board with that and, and so many other great uh, directors. Uh, Dave Filoni directed episode two. Other directors as well did a fantastic job. Just everybody top to bottom did a really good job on this series. Uh, much like The Mandalorian. Uh, you've come to expect a certain quality from Dave Filoni and John Favreau and their team that puts together these shows. And, and you got that in spades with this. And are we going to get a book of Boba Fett season two? Well, Disney hasn't announced anything, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. They set it up to where this this could have been it. This could have been just a, a limited run, a limited series. Uh, just one done sort of thing. All is well on Tatooine. Boba Fett's running everything and, and, and all is bright with the world. Uh, but they also set it up to where, you know, we could, we finally got Boba Fett established here and what comes next. I, I could really see uh, a very more action packed uh, season two if they so decide to do that. And I would be really surprised if they didn't. There have been there have been other shows where we thought uh, they weren't going to do a season two. They were just going to do a one and done with uh, some of the Marvel. And I think 
don't be surprised if we see a season two from Book of Boba Fett uh, sometime in the not too distant future. And and what do we have for uh, the Mandalorian? Because this really set up season three of the Mandalorian. Mandalorian, I think he's still looking for a new Razor Crest. Uh, I don't think he's going to be flying around in that Naboo fighter for for too much longer. But uh, but that's where we're at. He and Grogu are. Speeding around space in that starfighter, and uh, what what are we going to see next? You know, uh, Ahsoka Tano. She said that uh, you know she might see Luke. Uh, I'm sure she'll see the Mandalorian and Grogu again. Uh, are we going to run into those two? Are we going to run into Luke Skywalker again? Is the Mandalorian going to get hooked back up with uh, Katie Sackhoff's Bo-Katan Kryze and the and the Night Owls uh, trying to, to take back Mandalore? I believe they're also looking for uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. How is Grogu going to continue his his maybe not Jedi training, but force training. It's, it's all a, a lot of interesting things. You know, uh, Luke Skywalker gave him the choice between the Mandalorian chainmail armor and Yoda's old lightsaber. When are we going to see Grogu with his own lightsaber? Uh, you got to imagine that's going to be coming somewhere along the way. Cause they've teased that in, in posters, uh, setting up, uh, the Mandalorian season three. So uh, a lot of questions on the table is set for some cool stuff coming up in Mandalorian Season 3, which I believe we'll be getting uh, later this year. So really excited about that. And like I said, excited to see if they do decide to do a Book of Boba Fett Season 2. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to hear my thoughts on uh, Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I really enjoyed the show, whether whether it met or exceeded or subverted my expectations. I just enjoyed the ride and enjoyed the characters and enjoyed the stories. Hopefully you did as well. Check out our Facebook fan page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, to find out uh, what we're going to be talking about next. Coming up on Thursday's episode, we're going to be talking about the new movie Moonfall, which is a, a movie I was really interested in seeing and it was more than what I expected. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on Thursday's episode. You can keep track of all that when uh, we're going to have new episodes and what we're going to be talking about on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Also uh, posting uh, different articles and trailers about the movies and TV shows that uh, and streaming shows that uh, we love in horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. So if you check that out, and no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please uh, like it, subscribe to it, share it, share it with your friends and family, everyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi, and uh, get the word out and spread the word about Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. <laughs> Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items. Never fear, there's nothing here that bites. Hard anyway. <laughs> Well, hello there. 
So wonderful to see you back at the shop here at Odds Bodkins Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we have something very wondrous to show you. Let me pull this off the wall here. It's a staff of sorts. Looks like it is some sort of tribal weapon. Uh, it's wood of some foreign nature. It has a curve to the top with the uh, wood being carved into a spike. The bottom end of this staff uh, has a metal attachment again with a spike. This looks like uh, a tribal weapon of some sort and a, a weapon that may not be too dissimilar to that used by Tusken Raiders in a galaxy far, far away. And that is the topic of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett. First off, I uh, want to thank everyone for tuning back into Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Uh, last week, I had to take the week off, kind of unannounced, uh, dealing with a sick cat. My wife and I are, uh, and uh, all is all is well right now. But uh, but what we were going through at the time was uh, pretty strenuous stuff. But uh, but that's neither here nor there, and, and maybe I'll go a little more into detail uh, later about it. But uh, like I said, dealing with a, a sick pet, as anybody who has pets knows, that can sometimes be a, a very frightening thing uh, when things are, are revealed to be a little more dire than you expected. But uh, in my time off last week, uh, I got to delve into the book of Boba Fett. Of course, I've been watching it all along. It's <laughs> There are some shows where I'll wait till it's, it's almost time for the finale, and then I'll just power through and watch all the episodes. But then there are shows like uh, Book of Boba Fett, Mandalorian, a lot of the Disney Plus stuff that comes out weekly that I'm glued to my TV as soon as I get home from work uh, to watch the newest episode when they are released. And the Book of Boba Fett was like that. And got to wrap that up. And uh, wow, was I really pleased with the book of Boba Fett. Now, I know some reviewers, some critics weren't so high on the book of Boba Fett. We're going to talk about the book of Boba Fett. Uh, some of the things we saw in it, uh, some spoilery things. I'm going to try not to be too spoilery. We'll talk about the characters we we're introduced to. We'll talk about the characters that we saw uh, reprise roles that uh, we saw maybe in the earlier Mandalorian episodes. And uh, some of the some of the things that went on, some of the things we can expect moving forward uh, with the Mandalorian, the Book of Boba Fett, the Star Wars universe in general as it pertains to Disney Plus and the shows that they're putting out in the Star Wars universe. But we'll also talk about some of those things that I, some of the people that I heard talking about this show kind of bemoaning some of the aspects of it that I actually didn't mind. And we'll, we'll get into the, the nuts and bolts of all that uh, as well as we talk about the Book of Boba Fett on this episode. Uh, it all started out, of course, we got the PS scene at the end of Mandalorian Season 2. We're reintroduced to Boba Fett in The Mandalorian Season 2. Reintroduced to the Fennec Shand character, played by Ming-Na Wen. And, and I'll get into how much I love this character and Ming-Na Wen's uh, portrayal of Fennec Shand. But, you know, she showed up in The Mandalorian and uh, she reprised her role as kind of a partner with Boba Fett. And the PS scene at the end of The Mandalorian Season 2 saw Boba Fett uh, head back to Tatooine and take over Jabba the Hutt's territory. 
which had been taken over by Bib Fortuna. And he is dispatched of uh, post-haste in that scene. And then they get that cool hero shot where where Boba Fett is sitting on the throne and Fennec Shand is kind of at his side with the bottle of uh, space whiskey. And it was just such a cool end and a cool setup for the book of Boba Fett. And we kind of start off right there where Boba Fett has taken over Jabba Hutt's crime territory. And... For the most part, the first half of the Book of Boba Fett, at least as it is set in the present, is a lot about him reestablishing himself or establishing himself as this, I don't want to say crime boss, because he seems a little more honorable than that uh, right off the bat. And, and we learn about why this is with something we'll get into here in a second. But but the first part of this uh, seven episode series is Boba Fett getting his foot in the door and establishing himself as the daimyo or the the ruling syndicate of this area of Tatooine. And I get some of the some of the people that have been disparaging the book of Boba Fett uh, felt that that was all kind of boring. It felt uh, it felt a bit godfathery, which if you're not into that sort of thing, maybe maybe it wasn't your deal. But it was interesting to see, uh, you know, how Boba Fett is trying to build this empire. Uh, is it going to be a crime empire? We don't really know what Boba Fett's intentions are right off the bat. Is he just going to be another job of the hut and be this crime boss, or is he going to be some something a little more different, maybe an anti-hero. That's kind of where they were positioning him to be kind of this anti-hero because really uh, Boba Fett has gained such a following since his appearance in Empire Strikes Back, at least the appearance we all saw. Of course, he was in the uh, Star Wars holiday special, but very few people actually saw that when it uh, when it came out. But, but everybody gravitated so much towards Boba Fett with uh, Empire Strikes Back that there's just been this mythos around around him and all the uh, legend stuff that came about and even even now that the legend stuff has been kind of decanonized and Disney Marvel they're they're trying to put forth comics and things like that that kind of delve into some of the territory where the legend stuff went uh yeah, there's just been this kind of aura of coolness around Boba Fett all these decades and even though he was never portrayed as a hero in the star wars movies uh, empire strikes back return of the jedi everybody kind of made him out to be this anti-hero uh, because they just thought he was so cool and and you didn't know in this book of boba fett is he going to continue that is he going to be this anti-hero is he going to be just a, a straight out hero we really didn't know going into this but they did something that i really enjoyed and a lot of people did not enjoy was the back to tank flashbacks I remember watching one video with this guy from this website that they post a lot of stuff and do a lot of videos. And and, and the guy, I, I usually really enjoy his stuff, but he went through this whole spiel about how they misused flashbacks and flashbacks are supposed to teach the person a lesson that involves what they're doing now. And, and I, yeah, I get it. You looked up flashbacks and what they're supposed to mean on wikipedia and you're just regurgitating but really the flashbacks in this i don't think were used as a way to teach the protagonist a lesson from the past that they can apply to now i think flashbacks were merely a storytelling device 
in which they could tell two stories at once. And that's it. I, I don't think there is any greater meaning behind the flashbacks other than that. They wanted to tell the story of Boba Fett setting up this syndicate or whatever he's doing, becoming this crime boss or, or whatever you want to call it. They wanted to tell that story at the same time as telling the story of how he got to that point. That is all the flashbacks were, is a way to tell two stories, one set in the present, one set in the past, and tell them at the same time. It's plain and simple. There, there's nothing more to glean from that than just that. It's a, a way to tell two stories at once. And, and that's one of the things I really dug about this, was that we did get to see that backstory of Boba Fett, because... You know, up until The Mandalorian Season 2, uh, the last time we saw Boba Fett really was in Return of the Jedi. And he was swallowed by the Sarlacc. And there's been all of these fan-crafted theories and fan theories about how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc Pit. How he could have survived the Sarlacc Pit. And it was finally cool to get the definitive answer <laughs> how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc Pit. And we see him get out of the Sarlacc Pit using his, his guile and his weaponry. And then we see the draw, the Jawas steal his armor, which, you know, explains how Cobb Vanth ended up with it in season two of The Mandalorian. And we see Boba Fett taken in by the, the Tuscans, the uh, Sand People. And it was a really cool journey how he, you know, Boba Fett's always been kind of this loner. Uh, he's been the bounty hunter that's kind of very similar to uh, the Din Djarin, the Mandalorian character. You know, this this loner Mandalorian bounty hunter uh, just looking out for themselves, by themselves. We see the Mandalorian come across Baby Yoda, as everyone likes to call him, or Grogu, and start to build a family. Well, we, we kind of saw that mirrored with Boba Fett. Boba Fett was always this loner Mandalorian bounty hunter that had no ties, but he, he gets caught up with these Tusken Raiders and they eventually, he earns their respect and becomes a part of their tribe and, and learns much like the Mandalorian that, you know, sometimes you do need a tribe. You do need family. It's okay to make things better for people that you allow yourself to come to care about. And it was really cool to watch that development of the character. And, and there again, I know a lot of people were, uh, have complained about the pacing of the first few episodes of the book of Boba Fett. But it really was all, it was a lot of character development. It was a lot of uh, story development. And sometimes you have to take a little while to, to develop that. Now, a lot of people weren't sure whether this was going to be a one-off series or if they were going to do multiple seasons. I think you almost have to do another season because you've really set up this big scene with this this first season of the Book of Boba Fett and there's there's a lot of places they can go and maybe maybe they were just waiting to see how well it did. Uh, I had to I have to imagine that they should have known uh, anything about Boba Fett was probably going to be pretty pretty well received uh, regardless of what the critics and other reviewers say. But uh, I, I'm expecting them and word on the street that there is going to be another season of the Book of Boba Fett. But that's really what this was. This was a lot of setup for what the Book of Boba Fett was going to be about. Setting up why Boba Fett wants to be this leader and do better for people than the ones that came before him. Based on his time with the Sand People. Based on realizing that you gotta have a tribe, you gotta have a family. And, and it's about him building that around himself. 
It's about him gaining that foothold and becoming the respected leader. You know, you, you can't just come in to a situation like he did and just demand, you know, tell everybody you're the daimyo and everybody's going to respect you and and treat you as the leader that you you want to be. You've got to earn that. And and this was that was the that was the arc of this story is Boba Fett earning that, earning his place as the daimyo earning his place, not just taking it by force. You got to earn it. You got to earn people's love and respect and trust. And and that was something he learned along the way. And that was something that he earned along the way, which uh, which I found fun. I, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of this. It took a little time to develop, uh, certainly. But now that it is developed, I think a second season will be able to take us at a little bit of more of a, uh, a faster pace way of storytelling you're not going to have all the back to tank flashbacks uh, kind of splitting up the story into two separate stories uh, you're going to be able to focus on one narrative which they did sort of <laughs> in the last few episodes which leads me to uh, one of the other things I, I loved and I now I, I can't say I can't say I didn't love it in some regards. I, I loved it completely, but uh, the last few episodes felt like, or at least the uh, episode five and six felt like the Mandalorian season two point five because it was you know, episode five was all about the Mandalorian, and we got the Fennec Shand glimpse at the very end and then episode six was i mean we did get a glimpse of boba fett but there again it was all about the mandalorian and, and it, it just felt it, it broke up the season in a way that i don't think helped the detractors look at this in a more uh glowing light was it fun uh, did business pick up when the Mandalorian showed up? Yeah, you bet your ass it did. Uh, my wife started to watch Book of Boba Fett with me, but she's she's a casual Star Wars fan. She she didn't really get what the fuss was about with Boba Fett. She started to watch it with me, and then she kind of got bored. And I could understand that. This was a series meant for the hardcore Star Wars fan that just loved Boba Fett and just wanted to dive in and devour any information they could on this, this really cool character. And that's not the type of Star Wars fan my wife is. So she missed a couple episodes. I mean, she kind of was bouncing around the house doing this and that as I had it on. She kind of had a vague idea of what was going on, but then... When the Mandalorian showed up, she sat down and started watching. And she was like, oh, if it had been like this the whole time, I would have not lost interest. And I don't know if that's a failing on on anyone's part. But yeah, the episodes where the Mandalorian showed up, uh, business was at a, a, a fever pitch because they had a lot of story they wanted to tell in a small amount of time. And they really packed a lot into those couple episodes that focused primarily on the Mandalorian and Grogu. I think with the Boba Fett aspect of this series, uh, they had only so much story to tell and it wasn't enough to fill the amount of episodes that they were trying to put in place and, and do it in a way that was all action packed. And, and to be quite honest though, you know, a lot of the stuff, negotiations with other crime families and, and negotiations with the mayor and the pikes and, and none of that stuff is terribly sexy and glamorous and breakneck speed action. So, uh, maybe it was a good thing that they popped in, uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian into this to kind of, 
uh, pick up the pace a little bit because I think, like I said, this was a lot of setup. Uh, first seasons are always a lot of setup for anything. And some may be a little less action-packed than others. This just happened to be less action-packed and more character-driven, more story development-driven. But when the Mandalorian shows up, it's it's always action-packed. And that was that was kind of fun. It was kind of fun to see that cool intro of the Mandalorian in that meat factory. Kind of a, a mirror with the first time we see him in episode one of the Mandalorian. I can take you in warm or I can take you in cold. That sort of thing was very cool. We got a lot of history about Mandalore and the Mandalorian people. People and the dark saber, and then episode six was was quite cool because we got to see Luke Skywalker again uh, trading Baby Yoda, Grogu. Uh, we got the Ahsoka Tano cameo with Rosario Dawson, which uh, I can't wait for the Ahsoka series. But we saw the temple that we see burnt down in the in the new Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy. We get to see that being built. And just a lot of cool Easter eggs and a lot of cool stuff. A lot of lot to really take in. And like I said, it was really cool to see Luke Skywalker training Grogu. And then see Grogu give the option to go and be a Mandalorian or be a Jedi. Uh, I don't think this is the last we've seen of Grogu studying the ways of the Force. Will we see it with Luke Skywalker again? I don't know. Will we see him train with Ahsoka Tano? I don't know. Will we see him training on his own? Or or maybe some other, you know, there are still some Jedis out there. Ezra Bridger. There's a lot of talk about him showing up in the Ahsoka series. There's also the kid, I can't remember his name, from the, the video game that everybody keeps uh, making a big fuss about because his little droid showed up at uh, Pelimato's little uh, spaceport. But yeah, there's a lot of opportunity there with that. And, and speaking of Pelimato, uh, I do want to talk about, there was a lot of really cool cameos in this. Some of of them were a little felt a little forced some of them were very awesome of course we had steven root uh, a hilarious guy uh we all know him as milton from office space but uh he made a, a cameo danny treo as the rancor trainer which that was cool the whole deal with boba fett getting his own rancor monster and then the the whole rancor riding scene at the end was just badass and looked really good i was you know sometimes with with tv series even if it is disney and star wars uh even with the mandalorian some of the cg sometimes can be a little some of it's really good, don't get me wrong, but some of it can be a little iffy. But I thought the Rancor scene, they they must have set aside a good bit of budget to really do the Rancor scene right, especially in that finale. Uh, so it was really cool. It was cool to see Danny Trejo play a Rancor trainer. Uh, he just, he kind of, uh, it, it was always so funny in Return of the Jedi when Luke kills the Rancor monster and the Rancor trainer and Keeper uh, starts crying. Uh, Danny Trejo kind of, he kind of gives off that vibe. Like just a, a, a big tough guy, but with a soft spot in his heart for this, this creature and uh, a very, you know, loving affectionate feeling for these for these creatures and i thought he was a great addition uh to the cast uh thundercat of course great bass guitarist he played bass for a while in the 2000s one of my favorite thrash bands of the uh late 80s early 90s suicidal tendencies uh thundercat played the mod artist and we'll get to the mods here in a minute uh what i thought of those 
but uh, Amy Swallow returned as the armor. Amy Sedaris played Pelimato. Uh, the she runs that hangar at the Most Eisley spaceport, and uh, she she is so funny. Uh, I loved her on the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I loved her in this. Sometimes characters like that kind of feel like they take me out of the Star Wars universe. The Steven Root character, just the way he talked, felt like it took me out of the uh, Star Wars universe. Um, there's another character, I can't remember, he plays the kind of the right-hand man of the Mos Espa mayor. The way he talked kind of took me out, but... But Amy Sedaris is so funny that the Pelimato character, it just, all of her little lines, whether they were scripted that way or she ad-libbed them were just hilarious, but, uh, but always glad to see her make an appearance, uh, whether it's on the Mandalorian or this Timothy Oliphant as Cobb Vanth made a return. We talked about Rosario Dawson, Mark Hamill did the voice of Luke Skywalker again. Uh, they did a really good job with that. The Mandalorian, at the end, when Luke Skywalker showed up, everybody bitched about how the the deep faking technology they used, the, the mouth wasn't quite right when he spoke. And it was kind of cool because there's this cat, and I can't remember his name, but he does deep fakes uh, like for YouTube, and he redid it, essentially, and it looks so much better. And Disney actually hired him to do all the the Mark Hamill de-aging, uh, which uh, which it, it looked so much better. And they, they also uh, played it safe where they didn't focus a whole lot on the head and the mouth when Luke Skywalker had dialogue scenes. So that really helped. But there was, uh, like I said, the, the mods, Thundercat was the mod artist. They did bring in a bunch of these characters that kind of became soldiers or generals for Boba Fett, the, the mods. Uh, a bunch of these younger uh, humans that have had cybernetic modifications to their bodies. Some of them looked cool. Some of them looked a little hokey, like they just slapped a, a, an eyepiece over somebody's eye. Uh, they ran around on these speeder bikes that looked like uh, the Star Wars equivalent of a Vespa, which, I, I don't know, it looked kind of... It, it made me laugh, is what it did. It didn't look cool at all. But it was a part of the show that I, I understood. Uh, I wouldn't have been disappointed if they would have left all that mod stuff out but we did find out that uh thundercats character the mod artist uh was the one who fixed uh, fennec shand and gave her the cybernetic components that made her survive after the events of the mandalorian season two but one of the coolest cameos in this and it was something that i i wondered and there was talk about whether this would this character would show up or not but uh they brought back Cad Bane from the Clone Wars. I, I can't. I think he may have been in Rebels. He was in uh, the Bad Batch. Uh, just a, a badass character. I was wondering how they were going to do that. Whether it was going to be complete CG, and I think it was a mix of of practical somebody in a suit and a CG head or something. But it looked so good. Uh, what they did with Cad Bane, the eyes just looked. Uh, weird and bizarre and unearthly and inhuman. And they brought back Corey uh, Burton, who does the voice. He does a voice for tons of Disney stuff, but he did the voice for Cad Bane in, in all the animated series. And just 
such a cool bounty hunter kind of has that i know they they model him after lee van cleef who did a lot of the westerns back in the 50s and the 60s you know part of good bad and the ugly with clint eastwood you get a little bit of clint eastwood in that character as well but uh such a badass character and there's a lot of history between Cad Bane and Boba Fett. And it was kind of cool to see the showdown. Uh, there's some unreleased episodes of, I can't remember if it was Clone Wars or Rebels, but uh, where they have a showdown. And, and we kind of got to see the live action uh, rematch of that, which it was just so cool to see that character uh, because he's such a an iconic character and a fan favorite from the animated series. And to be able to see him show up in this in live action was just really badass. And then at the very end, I, I really liked how we got to see the return of Grogu with the Mandalorian. Uh, we saw which which path that Grogu wanted to take. And uh, the scene, you know, hearkening back to Yoda's size man, matters not, where he puts the Rancor to sleep and then <laughs> snuggles up beside to take a little nap. Because uh, as we know with the Mudhorn, uh, every time Grogu has to use a great amount of force power, uh, he gets he gets a little sleepy, has to take a little nappy poo. But, uh, but that was really cool. And really, a lot of episode five, six, and seven was a lot of setup for the Mandalorian season three because one of the last scenes we get is the Mandalorian flying in that uh, that Naboo starfighter where he's got the the droid hatch uh, <laughs> outfitted so Grogu uh, can sit in there just as cute as can be. Uh, but we gotta imagine we're gonna pick up. With Mandalorian Season 3, sometimes towards the end of the year, uh, we're going to see them probably pick up not long after that final scene. And then we got the PS scene. You know, there was the big showdown between Cobb Vanth, Timothy Oliphant's character, and Cad Bane. You know, everybody slowed down that gunfight, and the shot, Cad Bane shot them, uh, was like in the shoulder. Uh, but then they made it seem like he was dead. Uh, but we finally see him in the back-to-tank with uh thundercat the mod artist and he's he's fixing them up so we haven't seen the last of timothy oliphant as uh, cobb vanth in the star wars uh, disney plus universe so good because i i like that character i think uh i think it's really cool i, I joked to my wife that we're going to be getting uh, season one of a new uh disney plus star wars series cobb vanth tatooine ranger i don't know if she appreciated my uh walker texas ranger reference there you may not have as you may not have as well, but but here we are. But really, all in all, I enjoyed Book of Boba Fett season one. Uh, they kind of end with Boba Fett. He's there with uh, with Finnick Shand. Uh, I, I really didn't get to talk. Uh, I didn't say anything about uh, the one character. Uh, we know him from the the comics. Marvel did that uh, Darth Vader series, and there's a Wookiee in there, Black Crescenton. They just call him Crescenton in this, or Santo, as as Boba Fett starts to call him as a little nickname. But uh, he's this Wookiee, former gladiator, Wookiee bounty hunter, uh, badass. I mean, you take like Chewbacca and give him some. Uh, Rob Zombie dreadlocks and a, a bigger, beefier frame and and a, a more snarly attitude. Uh, you've got Crescenton, and it was really cool to see him join Boba Fett's little team with with him, Fennec Shand, Crescenton, the mods. Uh, they've kind of got this little family now on Tatooine, which is what 
you know, this is where Boba Fett's character was going. And he's he's ruling uh, Mos Espa and that section of Tatooine as a benevolent, benevolent leader. He's looking out for them. He's protecting them. And it was kind of interesting to see his character uh, develop from this stone-cold bounty hunter that's only looking out for himself. Uh, a solitary, lone man in his ship out patrolling space trying to collect bounties to this this leader and a member of a tribe a family and it, it like i said it was interesting to see that character development uh of this character that we've loved so much but have seen so little of unless you really got into the you know the books and the comics and, and all the extended universe stuff but i really enjoyed it uh, I didn't mind, like I said, I didn't mind the flashback scenes because I understood what they were meant to do. Um, I didn't mind the pacing of the present day stuff because I understood that, you know, if this is a first season of more to come, then this is really all just set up for for bigger things later, as as it's going to be with any first season. Could it have been paced a little better? Could they have made things a little more adventurous? Yeah, they probably could have. But I don't think they need to because I think there's more adventure to come. Could they have not taken us completely out of the Boba Fett story and put us into the Mandalorian story? <laughs> I, they did that just because they could, I think. Uh, I think they wanted to, to set up some things for Mandalorian Season 3 that they couldn't do right off the bat in that first episode of Mandalorian Season 3. Uh, that's yet to be seen. So uh, I get why they did it. Did they have to? I, I don't know. I kind of wish they would have left the Boba Fett series to be just about Boba Fett, but boy, did I enjoy the hell out of all that Mandalorian stuff in uh, in this season. So all in all, was it a perfect series? No, it wasn't a perfect series. I can understand some of the complaints from people about it. It's just I didn't care uh, enough. I was just enjoying the ride, enjoying the story, enjoying the characters, enjoying being immersed in this world that uh, that I've loved ever since I was a kid and just enjoyed having fun with all the characters and all the storytelling and I think people get so caught up in what the, how they think a story should be told or how oh well they've got to subvert my expectations or it's no fun or it's no good well you know Star Wars has never been about subverting expectations have there there been twists along the way certainly I am your father <laughs> Uh, that sort of thing. But I think that's where fans get lost because they get too caught up in the, I, I need my expectations subverted. Ryan Johnson fed enough of that to fans in Last Jedi. He he went out to do just that, subvert everyone's expectations. And you see how divided everybody is on that. You either love that movie, and there are some people that just love that movie irrationally, and there are people that hate it. I don't think it was a bad movie. I just think it was, this isn't the right vehicle to to start, like I said, trying to subvert everyone's expectations because that's not what Star Wars is about. Star Wars is about good versus evil. Star Wars is a, it's a space opera Western. Maybe not done to the, <laughs> the quite literal interpretation of that with guys like Cobb Vanth and Cad Bane, but it is a, it's a Western of sorts. And if you want your expectations subverted, go watch some high art film or, or what have you. But uh, 
but yeah, just just sit back and enjoy the ride. I think people that just enjoy Star Wars and just enjoy being put back in the universe and, and watching cool characters and good stories, I think they enjoyed it. People that are, are just so caught up in their own desires for what good storytelling should be or how stories should be told, I, I think they're the ones that don't like it. Was every scene action-packed? No. But in those scenes, maybe you learned something or you were given a reference to something or there was always something interesting in every scene, whether it was action-packed or if it was character-driven or story-driven, Easter egg-driven. There was always something to, to hold your attention and keep you interested in what was going on. It may not have all happened at the same time, but it doesn't all. You don't have to have everything spoon-fed to you at once. And when you've got characters like, uh, or, or actors, I should say, like uh, Timora Morrison as Boba Fett and Ming-Na Wen as Fennec Shand, those two actors I just love. I, I know Timora uh, Morrison has said that he, he thinks Boba Fett talks a little too much, uh, but but I, I like the portrayal. I like the, you know, you still get a sense of this shoot first, ask questions later, or shoot first and don't ask any questions type of bounty hunter. He still has that quiet steeliness about him, but he's he's warmed up. You know, it's it's kind of like that reformed gunman, speaking of Westerns, where he's, you know, he's been a stone cold killer and you'll never be able to completely take that out of him, but he has warmed up a little bit. Ming-Na Wen, I could watch a show just based on the Fennec Shand character. Uh, one, I love Ming-Na Wen. Uh, anything I've seen her in, I've just absolutely loved her. Uh, I think she does a fantastic job uh, from Mulan to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to this, everything and anything in between. I, I love her as an actress. I think she does a spectacular job. And she plays this part, this Fennec Shand character, just so expertly. I, I love the character. I love the actress who plays the character. Uh, I was so excited when a younger version of her character, still voiced by Ming-Na Wen, showed up in the Bad Batch. Uh, it was cool to see Fennec Shand show up there. And just, uh, like I said, I could watch a whole series dedicated to, to just... Uh, Fennec Shand, played by Ming-Na Wen. I think that was fantastic. And then, of course, uh, Pedro Pascal uh, coming back as the Mandalorian. This really got me excited uh, about what's to come for Mandalorian Season 3, like I said, which we'll see probably coming out uh, later this year, uh, probably fall, maybe December, somewhere around there. So all in all, I enjoyed The Book of Boba Fett. It really, it, it, I guess if you want to say, you know, I, I've been bemoaning the whole idea that everything has to subvert expectations, but maybe it's because I wasn't sure what to expect from this. So in a way, it was my expectations. Uh, if I had any, may have been subverted. I, I don't know, but I was just uh, uh, enjoying the ride, enjoying seeing this character, finding out more about this character, what makes this character tick. Why is Why is it that... Boba Fett is the way he is when we're reintroduced to him in The Mandalorian Season 2. Why is it that he is that way from where he was in Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi? And to have a lot of those dots connected between those two places for that character was, was really fun to watch. And like I said, a, a great cast, uh, great direction, uh, a lot of... 
lot of episodes directed by Robert Rodriguez. He did a great job. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, uh, her episode five, that was the return of the Mandalorian, uh, has everybody clamoring for her to direct a Star Wars film, which I'd be all on board with that. And, and so many other great uh, directors. Uh, Dave Filoni directed episode two. Other directors as well did a fantastic job. Just everybody top to bottom did a really good job on this series, uh, much like The Mandalorian. Uh, you've come to expect a certain quality from Dave Filoni and John Favreau and their team that puts together these shows, and, and you got that in spades with this. And are we going to get a Book of Boba Fett Season 2? Well, Disney hasn't announced anything, but uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. They set it up to where this, this could have been it. This could have been just a, a limited run, a limited series. Uh, just one done sort of thing. All is well on Tatooine. Boba Fett's running everything and, and, and all is right with the world. Uh, but they also set it up to where, you know, we could, we finally got Boba Fett established here and what comes next. I, I could really see uh, a very more action packed uh, season two if they so decide to do that. And I would be really surprised if they didn't. There have been there have been other shows where we thought uh, they weren't going to do a season two. They were just going to do a one and done with uh, some of the Marvel. And I think, don't be surprised if we see a season two from Book of Boba Fett uh, sometime in the not too distant future. And, and what do we have for uh, The Mandalorian? Because this really set up season three of The Mandalorian. Mandalorian... I think he's still looking for a new Razor Crest. Uh, I don't think he's going to be flying around in that Naboo fighter for for too much longer. But uh, but that's where we're at. He and Grogu are speeding around space in that starfighter. And uh, what what are we going to see next? Uh, you know, uh, Ahsoka Tano. She said that uh, you know she might see Luke. Uh, I'm sure she'll see the Mandalorian and Grogu again. Uh, are we going to run into those two? Are we going to run into Luke Skywalker again? Is the Mandalorian going to get hooked back up with uh, Katie Sackhoff's Bo-Katan Kryze and the, and the Night Owls uh, trying to, to take back Mandalore? I believe they're also looking for uh, Grand Admiral Thrawn. How is Grogu going to continue his his maybe not Jedi training, but force training. It's, it's all a, a lot of interesting things. You know, uh, Luke Skywalker gave him the choice between the Mandalorian chainmail armor and Yoda's old lightsaber. When are we going to see Grogu with his own lightsaber? Uh, you got to imagine that's going to be coming somewhere along the way. Cause they've teased that in, in posters, uh, setting up, uh, the Mandalorian season three. So uh, a lot of questions, the table is set for some cool stuff coming up in Mandalorian Season 3, which I believe we'll be getting uh, later this year. So really excited about that. And like I said, excited to see if they do decide to do a Book of Boba Fett Season 2. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to hear my thoughts on uh, Disney Plus's The Book of Boba Fett. Uh, I really enjoyed the show, whether whether it met or exceeded or subverted my expectations. I just enjoyed the ride and enjoyed the characters and enjoyed the stories. Hopefully you did as well. Check out our Facebook fan page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, to find out uh, what we're going to be talking about next. Coming up on Thursday's episode, we're going to be talking about the new movie Moonfall, which is a, a movie I was really interested in seeing, and it was more than what I expected. 
Uh, we'll talk about that coming up on Thursday's episode. You can keep track of all that when uh, we're going to have new episodes and what we're going to be talking about on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Also uh, posting uh, different articles and trailers about the movies and TV shows that uh, and streaming shows that uh, we love in horror, fantasy, and sci-fi. So we check that out. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please uh, like it, subscribe to it, Share it, share it with your friends and family, everyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and sci-fi, and uh, get the word out and spread the word about Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. And until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!